We have been journeying through uh, this series, the 12 Family Values. So if you're visiting us this morning, uh, then we are journeying through a series of teaching which is all about our family uh, values. These family values are what are important to us. There are 12 things that set the priority and the agenda, if you like, for who we are as a church. And as I've said throughout, this family values doesn't mean that we're better than any other church. It doesn't mean uh, that we're more spiritual than any other church. It just says this is what's important to us as a church family and a church community. And we've looked at a number of these uh, values. And today is our last week in this value number 12. Next week we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be doing a Sela uh, Sunday and if you remember earlier in the year we did one of these and so we're going to have an opportunity just to have some people up here, three or four people, and we're going to be interviewing them. Um, Sela means pause for thought and we're going to be interviewing them about this series that we've been journeying through, what stuck out to them, um, what God spoke to them through this series. So doing something a little bit different and the setup here is going to be uh, a lot of fun. Um, so that's next Sunday, but today I want to finish off by looking at this value, number 12, that really wraps up and completes this series, that we are family. We are family, and instantly a song probably comes to mind uh, for you. I'm not going to sing that for you this morning, but we are family. Now here's a tagline that goes with that. We are celebrating our diversity in culture and age. We are committed to developing healthy relationships. Now this is a value, this is important to us because we don't want Family Church to be a weekly event. We want it to be a community. We want Family Church to be a family. And we've talked a lot over the last few years that the church is not a building, the church is not an event, the church is not a service, the church is you and I. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And when you read through um, your Bible, which is always a good thing to do, by the way, when you read through your Bible, which I'd encourage you to do, you see that the church, you and I, are referred to in a number of different ways. The church is called the flock of God. And it gives this analogy, this picture of God as a shepherd and us as a sheep. The church is referred to as the bride of Christ. The church is referred to as the body of Christ, the army of God. A number of different analogies and pictures which are great about what the church is. And another one that we choose to focus in on at Family Church is this truth that the Bible refers to the church as a family. Now, of course, we're called family church, but we don't want that to just be a name or a label organizationally. We want it to be a true experience of every single one of you who calls this place home, who calls this place your church. We want it to be that we understand it's not just family church by name, but it's a family by nature. So today we're going to look at this question. What does the Bible mean when it calls the church as a family? And as I've said before, we've got to understand that every single one of us were born once naturally, right? Otherwise you wouldn't be here before me. You were born, I don't know when that was, where that was, what country, whether you were born in a hospital or at home, but there was a time when you were born naturally and you were born into a natural family, whatever that natural family looked like. We need to understand that the day that you were born again, which is the Bible's way of telling us and God's way of telling us that we've been born from above as a, a new birth when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. When you are born again, you are born again into a spiritual family. Now let's look at some verses as we set the foundation for this that speak about that. John chapter 1, verses 10 to 13. It says, He, this is speaking about Jesus. Jesus came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. 
He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him. How many of you have believed on Jesus and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, this is for you. It says he gave you the right, other translations say privilege or authority, to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Romans 8, 15, 16 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So individually today, we are God's children. If you take a moment to look around the room, you'll see different uh, personalities, different ages, different cultures, different backgrounds. But all of us have this in common, that God is our Heavenly Father. Amen? That the day that you were born again, you became part of a family of God. And each and every single one of us, no matter what age or stage or background we're from, have that in common, that God is our Heavenly Father. Let's look at a couple more verses. Ephesians 1, verse 5. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us through himself, through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God's family is the church. One more verse, just in case you're not yet convinced. Ephesians 2, verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. So there's many different verses that we could look at this morning, many more that speak the same truth. The church is not an event that we attend once a week. Church is a community and a family of which we are a part of. So if that's true, which the Bible says it is, then let's think for a moment, what does that family look like? Or what should that family look like? And I, and I want to talk on this because I know that when I say the word family, that conjures up different things for different people. When I say the word family, for you that may bring up healthy thoughts and images and based on your background and your upbringing. But for other people, that word family is a word that you shy away from. Maybe you were raised in a controlling family, an abusive family, a family where you experience a lot of neglect. And so family has a negative connotation in your life. And yet I think it's probably true to say that every single one of us have a notion of what a healthy family looks like or at least should look like. And as I began to think about these things this week, I began to realize that a lot of what I experience in my natural family, and we're going to look at that in a moment, really does or should carry over to my spiritual family called Family Church Haven. So I want us to look at this today as we talk about how we could better experience what God desires for us in spiritual family. I want to look at my family and look at the family of God. So there's a picture that's going to come up on the screen, and I'm so glad for Ignition are out this morning. I was, I would be killed for putting a picture of my children up. <laughs> And I can talk freely. None of the members of my family are actually in this room. They're in the, all the kids' church room. Even Kirsty's not here. So I can speak freely as long as we make a pact for you. Don't tell them anything that I share with you this morning. So here we are in sunnier times when rain was not a thing in our life where it's bombarding us right now in this season. This is us. And for those of you who don't know us, uh, maybe you're new, this is, this is me. Hopefully you've worked that one out. Um, and my wife, Kirsty, Gracie, Evie, and Jenna. And so that's us as a family. And I want you to see that 
there are some similarities between a natural family and a spiritual family. We were born into this family at different times. I, I, I think that's kind of obvious, right? That I wasn't born at the same time as my seven-year-old Jenna. And the reality is that every single week, people are being born again into the family of God. Globally, there are people every day who are being born again into the family of God. Maybe sometimes it feels like Christianity is in decline in the UK. You look around the world, the church of Jesus Christ is rising up. And Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Every day there are people being added to our number by being saved. And that's true globally, but it's also true in family church haven't we are a growing family as people are born again into the family of God now here's another similarity we're Godwin I mean Godwin does an amazing job and by the way every time as I've said before those sound guys those AV guys are absolutely incredible but here's another, here's another similarity that we came into that family at different times and we're at different stages of our experience of life right some of them, there's a couple of people in that picture who are approaching middle age, and there's some who are in primary school, okay? Now, the reality is that we're all at different stages of our new life. Some of you have been working, walking with God for 50 years, some of you five weeks, yet every single one of us is still a vital part of this family and this church community. Here's one that will shock you. The Careys are not a perfect family. Okay, I know you, you may think we're, we're an imperfect family. And we go through different seasons where we make mistakes, where we disagree. We also don't experience a perfect life. But I know sometimes people think that pastors are in this supernatural bubble that means they don't actually live in the real world. But we go through seasons that are great, that are fun, that are exciting. But there's other seasons that we go through that are painful, that are confusing that are difficult to journey through. And so it is with us as a spiritual family, right? That we are an imperfect church. As I always say, why? Because you're in it and I'm in it. And we're an imperfect people trying to be more and more Christ-like. So if you're looking for the perfect church, if you're fairly new to us, can I just say this is not a perfect church, but neither will the next one be that you try out, okay? Every single one of us are on a journey with this. And as a church, we're an imperfect church and we have to work on our relationships. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But also, there are seasons to our journey as a church community, as a family, that we go through seasons that, that are fun, that are joyful, that are exciting. We go through seasons that are difficult. I think of when we journeyed through COVID as a church community, we couldn't meet. That was a difficult season that we journeyed through as a family. We go through seasons of pain because when we lose a loved one who's part of this community, it's not just like, oh, they, but there's a, there's a reality that they're part of our family as much as they're part of their natural family in that setting. So I want us to look at this through the lens that family church is not where I go, but it is a family that I'm a part of. Now, here's what I want us to do in the time that we've got left. I want us to look at some of the correlations between a natural family and a spiritual family. And I pray that as we do this, that this will be helpful, but also would be a challenge to us as to where we're at in understanding being part of a family of God. Now, they're not in any particular order of importance, but here's the first one. We do life together. We do life together. Okay, so as a natural family, the Careys do life together. In fact, being busy, we choose to protect time together as a family because to us it's natural that if we're family, we share life. 
Now, I'm conscious that some of you with families, you've got uh, older teenagers who don't want to spend time with you as a family. It's difficult to do that. I know that there's people here that you may have moved out of home, and so the family unit is over here, but you're over here. I know there's people where you're scattered across the UK as a family. You're scattered around the globe, even, some of you, as a family. Yet all of us know what it is to have that family time together, to have that time of shared Life And when it comes to our spiritual family, we see that in the book of Acts chapter 2, the early church didn't just see this as some secondary option. They devoted themselves to what the Bible terms fellowship. Now, what does that word fellowship mean? It means the sharing of life. It means doing life together. Because doing life together, do you know what it does? It stops church being an event that you attend once a week where you know some of the faces, you maybe even know some of the names that go with the faces, but actually you don't actually know people when you're not doing life with them. For many, many years, I went to Fratton Park, to, I was about to say, I went to Fratton Park to watch Portsmouth play football. I went to Fratton Park to watch Portsmouth attempt to play football over many years. And I had a season ticket in exactly the same seat, HH76. That was my seat for well over a decade. And I would go to that place every other week during the, the, during the football season. And people around me would often have the same season ticket. So over many years, 10 plus years, I, I was going to this event with the same people. And I would know their faces. And for many of them, I would know their names. And for many of them, even we had sh shallow surface level conversations. But I wasn't doing life with them. I didn't know them. And it strikes me that for too many people, church is an event that we come to once a week where we know some of the faces and we may even know some of the names, but we're not actually doing life with anybody who calls this place home. I want to encourage you that God has put you in this family for a purpose and a reason, and God has an agenda for you. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge some of you today. Why not look to begin to do life with your family? Now, that doesn't mean that you suddenly know everyone. You have to invite everybody around your house. That would be a bit strange, and you'd have a massive house. But it may look like staying after the service and grabbing a tea and coffee instead of rushing off. It may look like talking to somebody that you've noticed a lot of the time and just finding out one thing about them. It may look like being around for social events. It may look like joining a connect group. It may look like joining a church team because teams not only help us function but are a great way to rub shoulders and do life with people. It may look like having somebody around for coffee. It may look like having a family over for lunch. Whatever it looks. But I want to encourage you, look to do life with your spiritual family because God has put you in this church community for a reason. Here's something else. As a natural family, we see each other as equals. What do I mean by that? That it's important to us as a natural family that everybody is considered an equal. Okay, So... Kirsty and I have no favorite children. If they ever tell you otherwise, they are not speaking truth. So if any of my children ever came up to you and go, well, I'm for favorite, or she's a favorite, we have no favorite children. We all know that as a natural family, we all bring something unique to the family, and we are equal regardless of age or whatever that may be. Listen, here's how that fits in with the house of God. We put in here that we want to celebrate our diversity in culture and age. So at Family Church, there is no room for some of the isms that you may have in the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, okay? So in Family Church, there is absolutely no room for racism. Racism has no place in the house of God. 
sexism, ageism, whatever you want to term out there in the world, has no place in this house and in this family because we are a people of honor and love. What that means is this, that no matter what the skin color you have, what race you are, what culture or country you're from, what income you earn, what social class you would position yourself in, what, what age you are, we are equal and we celebrate our diversity knowing that we've all been made in the image of God. Amen? Amen. Revelation 7 verse 9, great verse, it says, After these things I looked... And behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations and all tribes and all people groups and all tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. Now, what an awesome picture of what the church will be like in heaven. But we want that to be a reality here on the earth as well. So we see each other as equals. Here's another one. We communicate in order to sort out conflict. Okay, so again, this may shock you, but the Carries don't always agree 100% of the time. Our children find themselves arguing, sometimes on a weekly basis, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes minute by minute basis. And what we've learned as parents and, and in our marriage as well, and let's not just put this on the kids, for Kirsty and I as well, that actually we need to learn what it is to communicate in order that relationships are in strength. Now, here's the thing. I've never experienced a moment where Jenna, as my seven-year-old, has had an argument with, say, Evie, and she goes upstairs, and I hear her packing her belongings and her toys, and comes down and says, I'm off to find a new family. Now, I know, again, you may have older teenagers and young adults who maybe have said that to you, but by and large, as children, naturally, we don't expect our children, just because they've had a disagreement, to come down and say, she upset me, I'm off to find a new family, see you later. But how often as children of God do we act like that? They upset me. They said something. They looked at me funny. I'm off to find a new church. Listen, we want to be a spiritually mature family in the way that when we encounter issues, and of course there will be times relationally where we have to work through stuff because we're imperfect people on a journey. But when there are issues, we sort them out biblically and not in a worldly way. Way. So that means things like looking at the example that Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 18. When he says, when there's an issue between you and a brother, when there's an issue within the family, that you go to that person directly. You don't speak about that person, you speak to that person, always with the aim being unity and not personal victory. And Jesus goes on, he says, now when that doesn't work, in this context, bring in another couple of members of the family to sit and to talk. And when that doesn't work, at that point, get church leadership involved. But again, always with the aim being reconciliation. Because Jesus said that by our love for one another, that's how people will know that we're his disciples. That we're his followers. That we're his family, if you like. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 speaks of the characteristics of God's love. It also speaks of the characteristics of God, because God is love. And what does it say? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't fly off a handle. Love keeps no record of wrongs and so on and so on and so on. And so one of the ways that we can show the world out there that we spoke of last week that we are his family and his disciples is by choosing to live in a way that is godly in the way that we relate to each other and treat each other as church family. Ephesians 4, 2-3. Let's read that together. 
It says, always be humble and gentle. Notice it doesn't say sometimes, or if you feel like it, or if you've had a good week. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Colossians 3, 14-15. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in our hearts. For as members of one body, the body of Christ, we are called to live in peace. Now that's true not just in this context, but also with every other church that is in this locality, that we want to celebrate every church that preaches a message of Jesus Christ. We're not going to gossip about other churches. We're not going to bring down other churches. We will be a church that speaks just love and joy over other churches and the call to live in peace and always be thankful. So as a church family, we look to communicate in love in order to sort out any areas of conflict or disagreement. Here's the next one. We take responsibility according to our ability. So in our household, we have this culture that every single one of us, no matter what age you are, takes responsibility. That may look like doing something very minor, but it's all contributing to us having a household that takes responsibility. But what I'd expect Gracie to do as a nearly 14-year-old is very different from what I'd expect Jenna to do simply because of age. And and the body of of the Bible says that as the body of Christ, we have different roles, we have different functions, we have different abilities. And none of that makes one better than the other, but it makes the point that family only functions in full strength when we all do what we're called to do and equipped to do. So again, let me throw out a simple challenge. Are you contributing to this family? Are you playing a part in this family. Now that may be taking seriously the call to pray for us as a church community, to pray for us as leaders, to pray for our outreaches, to pray for what we are doing. That may mean that if you have a gift of encouragement, you're not going to keep it to yourself. You're going to encourage the people around your life. That may mean getting involved in serving in some way or another, joining a team. There are so many ways that you can use your giftings naturally, but also your giftings spiritually to play a part in the body of Christ. That may look like sowing financially, giving financially, giving into the vision offering if we can. There is a role that we can all play in this family. And then here's the one that I want us to to end on this morning. Having looked at all of those, this is the one that I want us to end on. We care for one another. So just as natural families function best when we care for one another, so it is with the church. We are called to care for one another. Philippians 2, verse 2 to 4. Now remember, when Paul's writing these letters, he's writing to a church. He's writing to a group of people just like us, and these letters would have been read out to the community who gathered in that moment. So when Paul's writing this, it's not just a random speech that he's given. He's writing to a group of people like you and I who have God as our Heavenly Father in common and Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And this is what he says, Philippians 2, 2-4. He says, Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Kind of what we were saying a moment ago. And then he says this, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Galatians 6 verse 10 
says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, last week, we'd spent some time, as Nimi said, talking about our family value, that we are community-minded, that we love our community, that we want to be part of our community, that we want to show the love of God on a continual basis to our community. But listen, the Bible is clear that that begins at home. That we don't look beyond the church at the cost of those in the church. And I want to be clear about that this morning. And neither is it either or. Okay, because maybe we think, well, well, are we going to love and, and serve and honor our community? Or are we going to love and serve and support each other? It's both. The, it begins here that we need to know what it is to love and serve one another. There's no point loving and serving our community if we don't even know how to love and serve one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. So Galatians 6 verse 10, especially to those who are of a household of faith. We want to be a family where we are there for one another and support one another. Because a lot of the time in life, life will be okay. In fact, I hope and pray that for the majority of the time, your life will be great, that you'll be thriving. But we all go through seasons where life just isn't like that. And in those moments, here's what I've learned in my life, but also through pastoring people. In those moments... You won't get what you need from church just from a service. A service, a Sunday morning event alone will not carry you through a hard season. Now, you you will hopefully get encouragement and teaching from the word and equipping. You will hopefully feel that connection with God through worship as you choose to honor him in song and in giving. Prayer will change situation. But we also need people. And at Family Church, we want to be a church that cares for one another, whether that be through friendships supporting one another, whether that be through connect groups, whether that be through some sort of pastoral support. But if we're going to gain from that support, then here's a couple of things we need to know. We're going to end with this. Helen, you can come up and then we're going to wrap up this morning. If we're going to gain from care and support from the church, here's some things we may need to do and to realize. Number one, no one can help you unless you let them in. Okay, I've pastored for a while now and experience situations where people will say the church wasn't there for me I'm not talking about the church as an organization I'm talking about the church as you and I the people of God the church wasn't there for me I went through such a hard season the church weren't there for me and when I nicely ask and who did you ask who did you tell that you were struggling who did you let into your life often the response is no one people can't help you unless you let them in to support you in your journey God has designed us to be relational that our relationship wouldn't just be one way us in heaven but obviously that's our priority but also that we would come alongside one another so I want to encourage you some of you today let people in if you want to gain from the church everything that God has for you the second thing is this I've shared this before the people we often need the most don't just encourage us with humor or positive words but they help us to find strength in God You know, sometimes you don't need somebody to go, oh, I think it'll be all right just because that's what they think or to make a joke of it or whatever it might be. We need people in our life and we can find these in our spiritual family who we know time and time again, without fail, will help us find strength in God. These are the people who come alongside and say, do you know what? God's never let you down before. He's not about to begin. 
These are the people who say, I'm not just going to pray for you, I'm going to pray with you. And in the meantime, if we can be of practical support to you, let us know because we are family and we're going to stand alongside until you see victory in this area of your life. Number three, the people who care for you the most will speak the truth to you the most. Okay? They'll speak truth to you when you like it and when you're ready to receive it, but also when you'd rather not hear it. You know, family will always tell you the truth. Now, in a healthy context, because I know that there's people, maybe you're here today and you experienced just abuse or negative words being spoken over you. I'm not talking about when it was done in an unhealthy way. There's some lies that have been spoken over you that that God says are, are lies. They're not in his word. But I'm talking by and large in a healthy family environment, which we all have some notion of. Family are the ones that will tell you the truth, right? Kirsty is the one who will tell me, don't go out wearing that. It doesn't work. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with it? Don't do it. My children will be the ones who will say, Dad, you're embarrassing us. Okay? I may not like to hear it in that moment, but actually it's for their good and probably for my good as well in that moment. And other people won't tell you, but family will tell you things that other, everyone else is thinking, but they'll be the ones to actually say it in that moment. In a spiritual family, we need people who will speak the truth, who will keep us accountable. We looked at this a little bit when we talked about we are disciples. We need people in our lives who will say, stop it. Don't go there. Don't do that. Why aren't you here? Why aren't you there? What, what's going on? with you right now can I help you in this situation that's not a good choice this is going to ruin you whatever it might be who will be honest enough to speak God's truth to you Proverbs 19 verse 20 listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days how many of you want to be walking with wisdom into the latter days of your life the rest of you want to be silly I mean every single one of us want to be walking with wisdom. The Bible says how we do that is by letting other people in. Obviously, first and foremost, we go to God. If any of you lacks wisdom, go to your heavenly Father, James 1 says, who will give it to you generously and without reproach. But we also need God's people alongside us. I wonder, is it time that some of us stopped isolating ourselves? Is it time that some of us stopped coming to church as a weekly event and began to ask for help when we need it from our spiritual family that that may look practical that may be in terms of your relationships that may be spiritually do you know what if you don't understand something in God's word don't struggle in your own strength come and speak to us about what is God saying in this what what is this what is God's will for my all those kind of things as we journey spiritually ask other people as you struggle with things in your life ask other people and let them in we need people who in love as a family member will tell us what we need to hear and not just what we want to hear in that moment God has created this wonderful thing called church and yes it's imperfect because I'm part of it and so are you and we're on a journey to become more and more Christ-like but God has designed it that we would walk not just with him but also walk in divine community a church is not a club or an event, a building. It's a people. It's a family. And at Family Church, we are committed to understanding and living out this truth that we are family, celebrating our diversity in culture and age, committed to building healthy relationships. And so I want to encourage you today.
Maybe there's something that I've said today that's stuck out for you. What is it that God's challenging you? What area is God challenging you in? And for us, for Kirsty and I, as we lead not just a natural family, but as we've been blessed to lead a, a spiritual family, we just want to thank you for the part that you play uh, in our lives. Family Church Happen is becoming a teenager this Tuesday. We're becoming 13 years old. Now that doesn't mean we're going to get attitude, it means we're going to walk with ever greater wisdom than ever before. And I truly believe that God has laid the foundation for what He's going to do in and for us. We've had the joy of seeing God do so much in our journey and being able to plant out to another location. But I believe that God is now bringing us into a place of maturity and wisdom for what He has for us next. And you play a part in that because the church is not us, the church is not the building or the organization, but it's you and what God has called you to be on this journey. Let's pray this morning as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these 12 family values. I thank you that they've, been, they've come out of prayer and time just seeking you for what you are calling us to be as a church community. Lord, we just want to take a moment to speak blessing upon every other church community in this locality. Lord, would you just give them everything that they need and more. But Father, as we focus in on family church and specifically family church happen, Father, I thank you for every single person who calls this place home. Father, may they know that they have a role to play and that they are important in this family. And Lord, may we look to each other to strengthen each other, to encourage one another, to pray for one another and all the things that in your word you call us to do for one another. Father, thank you for what you've done in this church community called Family Church Haven. But as we look out to our future, we know that this is just the beginning and greater days are ahead of us. Father, give, give us wisdom, we pray, as we step into the next 13 years of this journey. Lord, we just speak blessing upon every single person who's under the sound of my voice this morning. We pray just blessing upon their weak and health and relational strength and everything they need over the next seven days. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God praise in this moment.